Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of this week's episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein. With me as always is the ravishing Karen Randazzo. Why am I always pregnant when she does that? And the luscious Chris Randazzo. Now I just have to get the cup of coffee out of that guy's pants and I'll be back in the hospital by seven. <laughs> that would have worked so much better if we could see you wipe away the... Alright, we talk television standardly on this show. As per listener request... Matt Hanola. Matthew Hanola. I have a problem with names. I'm very proud of myself. Um, He wanted a Friends episode. So we are going to oblige. This whole episode is about Friends. The way we work this out is due to the fact there are 10 seasons on the average, about 22, 23, 24 episodes per season. We let the internets randomly choose... Which episodes we are going to watch. Uh, the second half of the show, we are going to talk the Friends reunion. Um, but I figured we'll go in season order as per the random generator. So for the first episode, season two, episode seven, the one where Eddie moves in. That was you, Chris. Was it seven or 17? 17. 17. 17. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I watched... Uh completely randomly the one where Eddie moves in uh all right so let's get down to the, ba- the the basic brass tacks here where we are in the overall grand scheme of friendsdom is uh, uh Ross and Rachel are together mm-hmm. and um Joey and Chandler are not <laughs> <laughs> Joey and Chandler have um uh Joey just recently moved out and this is kind of the episode dealing with the fallout of that. So yeah, totally it was not forgot. a, it was not a falling out they had. It was that Joey had got success from being on Days of Our Lives and wanted to get his own place. And what a place he got! Totally oh forgot to look at that that apartment. It was I, amazing. <laughs> they must have had so much fun making that set. It was a lot I of s- tigers and 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 leopards and shit. I don't know if you noticed that. There were Is all it a over- coffee table? Is it a cat? <laughs> you don't no need, need to, to decide. decide. <laughs> My favorite thing I saw, it was the one thing they didn't really point out in the on the end table was just a lamp that was a bust of Elvis with a big blue shade on it. It was freaking <laughs> <Yep>. hysterical. <laughs> yeah, so so the episode starts with them all chilling out and that's the cold open is them all seeing Joey's new apartment and, you know, alluding to the fact that Chandler's not there and it's all very, very ridiculous. Um, and uh, it was almost my, uh, almost my opening quote was when he was saying that the, the rub with the waterfall thing makes him have to pee. It's a very fun little exchange between him and I think Phoebe, but so, uh, we, we, we get to learn that, um, the, the two of them have more or less broken up and, uh, they're treating it kind of like a romantic, breakup that's kind of the running gag of this episode is uh the whole chandler joey breakup thing everyone else is treating it like they they were boyfriended boyfriend and uh they had broken up so uh let's see that's kind of the cat that seems to be the primary focus now we've got the subplots you've got ross and rachel are like i said they're together and ross is always at monica's apartment and it turns out that that causes the two of them to act like kids all the time um 
with Ross annoying the shit out of uh, Monica at every single possible opportunity. Uh, and, and that, so that, that builds some fun animosity there. And then you have, uh, the third kind of piece of this, uh, episode, the sub subplot where Phoebe gets, uh, <laughs> somebody wants to make a smelly cat music video, professional recording and whatnot. And, uh, the way she tells this story is, is fantastic because she tells everybody, not to freak out and say congratulations until she's done telling the story. And she tells the story, says something great, pauses, everyone freaks out, and she's like, I- I'm not done yet. <laughs> so she just keeps building on it. And then when she's finally done, there's a you know, big, long pause. She says, okay, now I'm done. And everyone says, yay, and is all excited. <laughs> I have to say that um, I do love Friends. I truly do. Uh, but the whole smelly cat thing, I never got. I never thought it was funny. I I don't understand it. It's, it's, I get that it's weird and it's, uh, I, I feel like I, the joke is supposed to be that it's weird and ridiculous, but it just, it just seems like incoherent babbling to me. And I, I don't know if that's just the joke and I just don't think it's funny, but ugh, when this was just like, <laughs> and now we're, we're just going to be, just beat you over the head with this smelly cat thing. And I'm just like, ah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> You have to admit the the version of it at the end was actually pretty good. I no, mean. it wasn't. There's nothing I like about that. And there's something even more unsettling about like real professional singers singing that song. Like ugh. it was the backup oh, boy, singers that, was... that really ruined it for me. I think uh, that what happened with Smelly Cat is that they pulled that one song out to be like the the symbol of Phoebe's music, and they beat the joke to death. Because Phoebe's music is really best when it's just, like, a fleeting thing. And I guess that's kind of, like, the other piece of it that I never really thought was all that funny was just I never really found any of Phoebe's musical things funny because it seemed so, so unbelievable that anyone would even listen to it. Like, let alone her consistently being asked to play again at Central Perk. Like, I... I cannot imagine a universe like I know Friends isn't a hundred percent real, but <laughs> I cannot imagine a universe where this woman would be allowed to continue to do that and like you know not piss off everybody else that wasn't a friend of hers in the coffee shop. Like people would leave, I would leave, I would be there and be like, I I can't deal with this right now, and I can't deal with anyone who's applauding this right now. I'm leaving, so. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a it's the one friend's joke, like the one major friend's joke, Phoebe's music career that um never hit with me at all. I don't um, know. I think you've been a part of the New York City music scene and if you can tell me that there's any act that you've seen that you've never seen an act that actually perform in a venue and get repeat shows and you have no idea why, because you just cannot comprehend why anyone would think it was good. I know you've seen bands like that and art acts like that. I definitely have, but I've like never... Like, nothing like yeah, Phoebe, nothing but... nothing quite to that degree. No, nothing quite to the extent of, this is something a toddler would spew, but it's coming out of a woman. <laughs> I think it's I'm, a... Uh, I think it's a, like, exaggeration for television of, you know, you have to keep in mind, like... 
the entire country is watching this show, and so there's a lot of people in the middle of the country who've never been to New York City, but this is what they think it's like, a bunch of weirdos playing weird songs in a coffee house on a guitar, and it's, like, exaggerated for the comedy. I'm not saying, like, whatever, you have to like it. I'm just saying there there's a place for it. There's a there's there's people that that joke is for. Fair enough. Um, it's not for me. Uh, so, so anyway, back back to the episode. Um, so that was all very strange. The as she gets her music deal and she makes a video, and then there's this ridiculous music video that comes out, and everyone watches it. And Phoebe doesn't really pick up on the fact that it's not her singing. In fact, she's really excited because she's she's like, I'm a really good singer. I'm really talented. <laughs> I've never heard know myself I- before. <laughs> exactly. And the um, '90s threw up all over that video. Oh my god, it was so. Ooh, yikes! And that was relatively funny. Just the the general concept of that video, just really, really absurd stuff. But so, all right. So the the resolutions of things, like let, we'll go in reverse order of importance. So the the Phoebe eventually uh, is upset for the woman who sings her song because she feels like um, that woman because she eventually figures out that whoever this is isn't her and. Uh, she's being obscured by Phoebe's uh, talent or something like that. And honestly, I just watched the episode today and I can't even remember if that was the only resolution that got or if there was something else to it. She just, I think she, I watched all the episodes we're talking about today and I think she was just like, ah, I'm not going to work with these people. Yeah. That yeah, was, she, that she was that. kind of it. Was it. Right. Now, and she, she did make the comparison of the singer to Smelly Cat. Oh yeah, that's right. She is smelly. This is smelly cat, or she is smelly cat. That was it. Weird, 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 weird. All right. So next bit, uh, Monica and Ross having their brother sister spats. There was a pretty nice moment where Monica um, basically has this conversation with Ross, where she's just like, "I hated you when we were kids," and Ross is genuinely surprised by that. And then Monica explains because you know. You always got your way, and you annoyed the crap out of me. And Ross responds with, like, and that wasn't fun for you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, genuinely not really getting it. Like, this was his shtick as an older brother. He thought this is what he's supposed to do, and uh, it basically pissed Monica off to no end. And then they had, like, a fun little... (laughs) I liked her, her response to him, which was... You're just going to have to stop pissing me off. Exactly. <laughs> Which I want to say to people on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, so that resolved uh, pretty pretty adorably. There was... I, I, I don't even remember... Rachel didn't seem to have much to do in this episode. She was just annoyed by them, and they ended up putting her in, like, the mother figure role yeah. of that relationship. And that was, that was fairly funny. So, hooray <laughs> for that. On to the important stuff. Joey and Chandler. Um, so... Uh, at, at a certain point, they have this phone call where, um, uh, you know, Chandler finally decides to pick up the phone and call him. And then uh, Joey hears on the other end of the phone the uh, oven timer going off. And then they watch Baywatch over the phone with one another. And the the joy of those two characters watching Baywatch and just running in slow motion and how much they love it is... <laughs> run, run, Yasmin! Run, run, run like, like the, the wind! wind. <laughs> The way he says Yasmin Bleeth every time kills me. Every time. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. So after this phone conversation, they they have this little bit where it's like, oh, I, I feel like we really connected last night. Maybe things could be like they used to be. 
And then everyone's giving them, like, relationship advice, like it was a romantic relationship, and it's all very silly. Um, and contradictory. And contradictory. So, um, you know, Joey kind of gets convinced to go maybe think about moving back in, where Chandler is convinced that Joey is so happy in his new apartment that he should just go find a new roommate. And he does. Joey comes over, the two of them talk for a few minutes, and then um, Eddie, Chandler's new roommate, walks out. Uh, who is played by Adam Goldberg, who was on Entourage and Fargo and some other stuff. Uh, and strangely enough, I learned earlier today, he played a completely unrelated character named Jimmy in the Friends spinoff show, Joey. Huh. <laughs> I'll be damned. So that's fun. <laughs> Things cool. no one actually knew because who the hell watched Joey? <laughs> exactly. Who watched that show? I think it ran for two seasons, so apparently somebody did. But Jeez. it wasn't me. Anyway, um, so he seems perfect at first. Um, Joey gets all upset with him because he makes his eggs differently or whatever. And, Joey um, gets mad jealous. <laughs> mad jealous. <laughs> There's no juice for people who need the juice. I need the juice. Did you not think I was going to get new eggs? <laughs> <laughs> so um, as after they have their little their little fight or whatever, um, towards the end of the episode, the 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 chinks in uh, Eddie's armor start to show through. When um, uh, Chandler asks him to play some foosball, and he says he's not that into sports. Uh, and then uh, he goes to watch Baywatch, and Eddie's just not into Baywatch. Doesn't think it's very good. It's just beautiful and, people um, running around on the beach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And uh, the episode ends on a, a very an entertaining montage of um, Joey and Chandler uh, looking longingly out windows and through waterfalls, uh, <laughs> thinking of one another. And uh, that's kind of where the episode ends. And it's a great episode. I was, uh, you know, I've seen this one before. I think I've seen most of them before. Um, it's 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 a damn good show, and this was really. A, a great season great episode i mean i don't even know what else to say about it it's like all the characters are interacting with each other in exactly the ways that they should um you know besides my distaste for phoebe's smelly cat and music career this is has all the kinds of jokes that you would want in friends like this show is it is a sitcom in like in and in a lot of ways it's a by the numbers sitcom but the writing and the jokes are so good it, the show really transcends. Like, I don't understand how anyone can look at the show and be like, ah, oh, this is just some boring bullshit. It's it's not. The jokes are too damn funny for it to just be some it's just throwaway really bullshit. It's really well done. It it's is. Just, it's their Everything jokes. came together. The jokes are great. The timing is great. Everyone's comedic timing is so spot on. And, like, I don't like, you know, I, I don't dig um, David Schwimmer. Like, I don't like Ross very much. He's not a likable character. And, you know, I don't know David Schwimmer, but I've never really been a fan of of him. Um, he's always been, like, my least favorite character on the show. And he had my, my opening quote for this episode, because that was just too funny. Because uh, <laughs> it was a quick throwaway bit. They're all in Central Perk, and um, <laughs> Rachel's bringing a apple pie and a, a coffee to her friends, and she drops the apple pie in the back of some guy's hood. 
and so he's leaving and tells Ross, the guy starts to leave and she's like, Ross, if you care for me at all, you need to get the pie into that man's hood. And so he goes and does it. And then the guy turns around and he responds with, now I just have to get the coffee out of that guy's pants. I'll be back at the hospital by seven. And then he starts like clawing at the air like a crazy person. And the guy just writes it off like he's a lunatic and walks away. And it's all delivered and timed so well. Perfect and, and comedic timing. Exactly. And and especially for, like, I've, I de- detest um, the live studio audience canned laughter kind of thing. Granted, this isn't canned. I think a lot of these were actually filmed from a live mm-hmm. studio audience, but I don't really like that very much. I, it always kind of takes you out of the out of the show. But, you know, this was before doing comedies without that was really a thing. And it never bothers me on this show because it's, it's just... The show is good enough that it, it smooths right over all of its flaws. The so. jokes are worthy of laughter. Absolutely they are. As opposed to other shows where no matter what the joke is, there's some sort of canned laughter to make you know, hey, a joke just happened. <coughs> Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> um, yeah. When you heard that you picked this episode, I was excited because, you know, both of you got episodes that I thought they were one thing, but then they actually turned out to be something else that was also awesome, because I love Smelly Cat, so <laughs> I was psyched to get to see the Smelly Cat video episode. <laughs> Big and fan of Smelly Cat, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Um, would buy again. <laughs> and I like Eddie. Um, so if you are, you know, <laughs> not in the market for an entire 10 season rewatch and you're just looking for a little chunk of friends to watch <laughs> this little uh eddie arc i think he's in like three episodes is is a perfect little chunk of tv to uh to watch yourself <laughs> the 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 way they eventually get eddie off the show is priceless and just adam goldberg throughout this whole arc is just fantastic and weird and like just such a memorable character I was very pleased when I when when we went over what episodes, like the one I'm about to talk about. If I was to pick an episode, it probably would have been this one because the, there's a, a line in the episode that I constantly use. <laughs> um, so with that, I am doing episode or season three, episode five, the one with Frank Jr. Frank Jr. is Phoebe's half brother. He is played by Giovanni Ribisi, who is one of my favorite sub-characters that shows up on the show. One of the most awkward people ever. Um, <laughs> Giovanni does a phenomenal job. Um, Every time Frank Jr. is on, I just, I love it. Like, he, whatever else is going on in the show, he's always great. Yeah, and, and he, like, he steals every scene that he is in. Absolutely. So, we'll we'll break it down with the three storylines again. Uh, one of the storylines, and I don't, I guess the main storyline would be the interaction between Phoebe and her brother, Frank. Um, them, them getting together and trying to have, like, a nice little weekend together. Uh, secondary story is Joey building an entertainment center. <laughs> and... Oh, is this the one where he builds the giant entertainment yes. center? And- yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it has a one. cute little connection to your episode because in your episode, Chris, he talks about uh, one of the things Joey doesn't like that Eddie changed is where they put the where mail. Where they put the mail. Oh, and yeah. then in Evan's episode, uh, Joey you, we're always opens talking about up. We're going to put our mail. <laughs> like- yeah, he did. that's the reason he decided to make the entertainment center is so they'll have somewhere to put the mail. <laughs> 
Um, and the third storyline is the five freebies um, in just about every relationship ever. Uh, there's always the discussion about the five famous people that you have on your list that if you ever come across and have the ability to sleep with, they're freebies. So, they, you know, I'm going to go with that one. No. Hmm. I'm going to cut back. I'm going to go start with this one and then cut back to it at the end. The The conversation is, of course, all of them sitting at, at the, the coffee shop and discussing who's on whose list. You know, um, Monica and... I don't even remember if Monica, I know that that Rachel came up with a list very quickly. Uh, Chandler also came up with one, very logical choices. Ross, like, started to dissect it because, like, he'd never really thought about it. Yeah, he just took it way too seriously. Way too serious, like, breaking it down into clusters of people and whatnot. And, like, halfway through the episode, they come back, and he's going over his list with everybody, and he says uh, X, Y, Z, and then Isabella Rossellini, which I love that name, first off. She's a very attractive woman, but Chandler sort of shoots it down because he says she is too international. You want to put a name on the list that is more continental, you know, play the odds game. Right. Mind you, on Chandler's list was Jessica Rabbit. Because <laughs> so, I always wanted to see if I could make her eyes pop out. There you go. Um, we, we As all of this is going on, we keep flashing back and forth to Joey building this enormous <laughs> entertainment center. Now, you really can't tell how big it is, but when we first see him actually working on it, the apartment, their apartment, is covered in lumber. Like, you don't see a stitch of furniture anywhere because it's, it's all obstructed by two-by-fours and plywood and whatnot. And the simple reason was, you know, we need some place to put our mail. Now, as that that storyline progresses, uh, it, right off the bat, you know, he's discussing it with Chandler. Chandler's like, okay, and he goes to walk into his bedroom, opens the door, but only the top half of it or the top two-thirds opens which makes him fall over the bottom half because that stayed closed. One of the great pratfalls in Friends and, history. And Joey says, oh, the, the, the saw got away from me there. <laughs> okay. Later on in the episode, Chandler happens to be in his room reading and Joey is on the opposite side of the wall drilling and a drill, like the largest drill that you could put in a hand drill comes through the wall, I'm saying about six inches from Chandler's head. And Chandler comes bolting out of the room, and Joey looks at him and he goes, oh, ooh, did I get you? And Chandler, <laughs> I say that all the time, because the response is, and the proper response is, did you get me? No, you can't get me, because if you get me, you kill me. <laughs> um, That storyline ends with the whole group to, oh, well, actually, at one point in time, Joey shoots off to go talk to Monica, and Monica, and, and, and um, Joey tells Monica that they're having a sale on, on tile at the, at the store that she should really consider redoing her tile. And she's like, I don't need that. They're perfectly – and he explains to her that they're just dingy. They're old. And, she, and he says, you know, if you move your hamper, you could see what the original tile looked like. And you don't see it. But her reaction 
it it it's as if it was everything else was covered in blood. <laughs> okay, that she freaked out and she's like, "Well, you have to fix this." And he goes, "Oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, you could these just pop right out." And, he, and right in the middle of the floor, he goes to pry up one of the tiles, and it breaks. So just a chunk of the tile comes out, and he's like, "Oh man, these are all glued down. You better off just leaving them." So now. <laughs> There's a chunk missing in the middle of the floor she freaks out about. And he, she's like, you have to fix that. And he looks and he pauses for a second, reaches behind the toilet and grabs. I don't know if it's the brush, the scrubber brush or the plunger holder, but it's this white thing that is the exact size of the hole. And he just places it right in the middle of the floor to cover up the hole. And she goes, oh, that's great. You could put that back there after the hospital removes it from your colon. <laughs> Boom! Oh, such a good joke. So uh, this, like I said, the storyline ends with him finishing the tile, and then the whole group is in their apartment getting ready to stand said entertainment center up. They have this little back and forth about uh, one, two, three. We should really do it on two. Chandler says it. I could have counted to three, four times by now if it wasn't all this number two talk. They all argue, and eventually they stand up the entertainment unit. And I don't know if you remember the layout of the boys' apartment, but there's a, an expanse wall and then two, one door on each side. And that unit covers up three quarters of each of their doors. That's how wide this unit is. And uh, Joey decides that his ruler must be wrong. <laughs> so the the end of of the the entertainment unit story is Joey looking at it saying, "You know, I I I I bet I can fit in that cabinet." And Chandler bets him $5. <laughs> Joey climbs in. Chandler proceeds to seal the unit shut, slip the $5 bill through the the slot, and he is now stuck in there with Mr. Ray Blinken, very happy. Meanwhile, Phoebe is trying to connect with her brother in some way, shape, or form. She feels like this whole weekend is just going to hell because it's he's just they're not he's not opening up to her. I mean, they have very short conversations. Um, she's like he asks him what he likes to do, and he says um, melt things. And he literally means, like, take a lighter to things and melt them. <laughs> I like when she asks him if it's art. And he's like, yeah, you can melt art. You can, you can melt art. <laughs> so Phoebe gives up on that little interaction. She's like, I'm going to bed. And he's sitting there with, a, you know, a lighter, an ashtray, and a plastic spoon. And he's bending it and melting it and whatnot. And she comes and, and brings over a fire extinguisher. And she's like, just in case. And he's like... Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then he picks up the hose and starts melting the hose of the fire extinguisher. The storyline progresses where she has to go to work. And she explains to him that it's very important because she has a client and he's asking for her specifically. And she tells him that she's a masseuse. Now, in his brain, New York City masseuse translates to hooker not 110 percent sure why he's probably from you know a simple town he's from upstate new york so, so I'm, I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> um 
And she's like, well, if you want, you can come with me. And he's like, really? Because, you know, like, that, but I don't, I, is that right? Should we do? She goes, well, what are, what are big sisters for? And he's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure not this. <laughs> so he's fully under the impression that he is, she's taking him to a Yankee cranky place. So they get to the, 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 the parlor and, um, like she's getting ready to to bring in her customer, her client, and all you hear from like the hallway is ow 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 ow, and the door bursts open, and there's Frank just covered in a sheet with the his masseuse cranking his arm up behind him, like just about to break it because he goosed her or he he, he felt her up, thinking that. That was what you do at a massage parlor. Um, Phoebe flips out. She says, is that what you actually thought? I did. That's not right. And she's like, you know, this is the perfect you know, perfect end to the, the perfect weekend. And he genuinely feels bad because he really did feel like it was a perfect weekend. That he ruined it by making such a s- stupid mistake and... She's like, really? You 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 had a good time this weekend? And he's like, yeah, you know, there was, there was lots of good points. She's like, well, which ones in particular? He's like, you know, you know, all those long talks we had. She's like, well, which one in particular? He goes, you know, when you you asked about my likes and my my dislikes, you know, of melting things. I like to melt things, and I dislike <laughs> things that don't melt. <laughs> Such a great line. So it was a cute little resolution to the. I really the, thought this was a sweet moment. It, you know, it gave you an insight into the Frank Jr. character. As much of a joke as he is, it's like behind that is like he really, you know, an innocence. And it's, he comes from a sad place where you know the, her her she doesn't have a lot of family, and his family obviously is not great. His their dad left him too, and. He's just, you know, he's happy to have some family who will talk to him about what he cares about and take him to do the things he wants to do. You get a picture that that's not something he gets at home. Yeah, yeah, and and they they try to foster a nice relationship between the two, which which was nice. You get to see him every once in a while, and later on, she does something very important for him. Um, but the real ending to this episode. All circles back around to the the five freebies when they're all at the coffee house and they're sitting there. And we found out that Ross has finalized his list. He's made it official. Chandler has printed it on his computer. He has laminated it and he reads off his list. Winona Ryder's on there. But, you know, Isabella Rossellini has been taken off at, 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 you know, Chandler's suggestion. So as they're sitting there, all of a sudden, Isabella Rossellini walks into the the coffee shop, and he's like, "Oh man, if I only left her name on there." And now he and Rachel are together, and she's like, "You know what, honey? We'll call her an alternate. Go ahead." So <laughs> he proceeds to walk over to Isabella and, and you know, sort of hit on her, if you will, or try to engage in a conversation and explains to her the situation and he's telling her that you know sh- she's one of his freebies and she somehow gets a hold of his card and sees that her name is not on the list and he explains to her well 
if you're an alternate and I took your name off in replace of this. And she goes, you know, damn, I, you know, I just changed my list and took your name off of it and put it that guy. And they point over to just some random stranger in the coffee house that they referenced earlier because he ordered a really like one of those half calf mochaccino frappolates, no foam, double whip type. And he just called them weird. So the whole story knotted itself up with Isabella Rossellini making Ross look like a fool, which was so joyful in my heart. Yes, yeah, never a bad thing when Ross looks like an idiot. So it's true. It, it, I love seeing the 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 relationship between Joey and Chandler be, because that has had so many iterations throughout the years. Like. Chris's episode is literally like dating. Mine is Chandler just can't take it no more. He's like, you're an idiot. Why are we dealing with this? The 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 Phoebe, like this show was, this episode was full of relationship moments. And I liked it. I It's one of my favorites. So now, um, I Karen, you cheated. I didn't cheat. You cheated. I mean, I can... <laughs> <laughs> I can cut myself off and only talk about one. But what happened is I went to the random episode generator and it gave me an episode that was part one of two. Now, what would you do? Would you? I would have played by the rules, but um, one you, part? you 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 watched both of them. I watched both of them. As a matter of fact, I watched two after them as well. Um, <laughs> she's doing us a service. Yes, she's doing I, us a I, service. I'm here We're to getting provide. two for the price of one. Yes. We are talking about season four, episode 23 and 24, the one with Ross's wedding. Parts one and two. Parts one and two. <laughs> yes. And I'll try to go fast because I know I have two parts here. But um, so this is uh, where everybody's going to London. Well, almost everybody's going to London because Ross is going to marry Emily. Um, Phoebe's not going because she's pregnant with Frank Jr.'s. Uh, she's a surrogate for Frank Jr. and his wife. Um, and <clears throat> very close to giving birth. And uh, Rachel's not going because of drama. Uh, everybody else is going, and that's the setup. And uh, we get to see that in the cold open. We get to see Monica being like completely neurotic about everybody's got to. The plane leaves in four hours. What if there's traffic? What if there's customs? We got to go, go, go. And uh, Joey has <laughs> adopted the persona of a completely obnoxious American tourist. Who's just constantly shouting, London, baby! <laughs> Much to Chandler's annoyance. And there's a, a great classic Chandler Joey moment right in the beginning where uh, Chandler asks Joey if he's got his passport. <laughs> <laughs> and Joey says, Yeah, it's right in my dresser in the third drawer. You don't want to lose that. And, and you just get to see Chandler give one of those looks to Joey until he figures out, Oh, I need that. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> such a such a and they that that's one of those those jokes that they repeat throughout the series, but it never stops being funny. <laughs> so much like uh, all you guys' episodes, there are three plots, and they tend to like pair. Usually, the three plots involve three pairs of two. Uh, so there's Joey and Chandler as tourists going all over London, and. Uh, Joey continues to be annoying, and he has got a video camera constantly, like the oldest video camera. I mean, well, I, I mean, 
Well, you know, it was current for the time. <laughs> oh, okay. Like that's not really <laughs> fair. <laughs> I mean, it's not got. It's not like he's got a giant brick on his shoulder like a TV camera. It's just. It's it got one of those. Come on now. <laughs> the screen flips, and it, it was it was wacky to see. Uh, he's got a 3D map, and that he doesn't know how to read unless he puts it down on the ground and stands on it. I have to get in the map. <laughs> and uh, he eventually ends up buying a, a giant uh, Union Jack hat, one of those like big, like novelty top hat things that were popular in the late 90s with a british flag on it uh from a uh souvenir vendor who is played by richard branson yeah richard branson's (laughs) thumbprint was all over these episodes there are so many cameos in these two episodes uh we also get to see fergie um in uh joey's video later he ends up running into fergie and taking a video of her saying that she likes his hat (laughs) so there's not much to this plot chandler gets annoyed that joey's being an obnoxious tourist decides declares i'm not going to be embarrassed anymore and then immediately turns around and trips and falls and knocks over a flower cart uh just another example of the great physical comedy of matthew perry uh they part ways for a while then they meet back up at the hotel and they make up and that's it easy peasy squeezy uh the rachel plot is rachel and phoebe at home they uh they're talking about, you know, why she didn't go. And Phoebe helps Rachel realize that she's still in love with Ross. <laughs> she has this great come to Jesus moment where she's like, I do love Ross. And she looks at Phoebe and goes, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Phoebe goes, we thought you knew. It's, it's like telling Monica, you like things neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one of those moments in the show where it's like, uh, Phoebe speaking for the audience, like, holy crap, thanks for finally figuring this out. You've spent whatever 11 bajillion episodes on not knowing that you how you felt. <laughs> so then Rachel decides she's going to go to London and tell him how she feels. And that's all you need to know about this part. Uh, and uh, third plot, they're getting ready for the wedding. Monica's helping Ross and Emily go to check out the church where Emily's parents got married, uh, which is scheduled to be torn down soon. But the construction was moved up, and when they get there, they find it's already in the process of being torn down, which freaks her out. Uh, Monica talks Emily into postponing the wedding, (laughs) which Emily then comes to uh, Ross's hotel room while he's getting ready for the rehearsal dinner, I think, and tells him uh, that that this is what they want to do, and they have this huge fight. Over the course of the fight, Ross is trying to put his pants on, and he's so flustered by the fight that he keeps putting the pants on backwards and then going, what is wrong with these pants? (laughs) But the fight itself is so stupid, it makes me so angry because they're both, like, have their reason. They don't really explain their reason why, like, they disagree with the other one. They don't really listen to the other person in the fight about why maybe I should consider what the other person is saying. They're just, like, stuck in their own positions in the fight. And then, 12 minutes into the episode, Emily storms out of the, his room saying, maybe we shouldn't get married at all. And I go, yes! <laughs> and the entire of America goes, yes! But... <laughs> Sadly, that's not what happens. No. (laughs) Um, Monica ends up explaining to Ross why Emily is so upset because Emily can't friggin' 
articulate her own feelings. The fact that, like, she's been dreaming of the perfect wedding since she was a little girl, and if she's not going to get what she wants, she should be able to get what she wants. And so Ross, like, makes a grand gesture, and he puts a bunch of string lights up in the uh, partially demolished church, and they decide they're, they're going to figure it out, and they'll, they're going to go forward with the wedding, and everybody's going to be happy. And that's all there is to part one, and I did that in about five minutes, I think. Really? <laughs> that's it. Okay. Rachel didn't leave at the end of part one? She she went to go to the airport, okay. but that's it. All right. So, and I think part, the the stinger of part one is that uh, Joey calls Phoebe and starts to get homesick um, ah, yes, yeah. when he hears her voice. Uh, and then so the that leads to cheers. That leads into part two, where uh, you know he he's just for most of the episode he's he's homesick for New York. He talks to Phoebe again, and and she says, "Oh, you know, oh, I gotta go. We we the pizza's here." And he says, "You ordered pizza without me? <laughs> yeah, but we were thinking of you. We got the Joey special. Two pizzas." It's the Joey special. <laughs> the Joey special. <laughs> um, and he sees Cheers on the TV, which is a nice little nod to another Jim Burroughs show, uh, which we're going to talk about a little later. Uh, eventually, Joey's homesickness is cured by hot uh, bridesmaid. Yes. Who is Olivia Williams, um, Miss Rosemary Cross from Rushmore. Yes. Uh, yet another, like, just the cameos really ramp up in the second part. Yeah. Uh, the, then there's Monica and Chandler. This, this part is a little unconventional because mo- there's like a bunch of separate plots not really pairing two characters except for Monica and Chandler. And boy, um, did they pair them up. Oh, yeah. If there's <laughs> going to be one pairing. It better be a doozy. So, uh, um, Monica's mother is making her feel crappy because she thinks that, uh, this, this is going to be her only child who ever is ever going to get married. And nobody's talking about like Ross's previous marriage. marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Monica's feeling bad for herself. And then Chandler gives his, uh, speech at the rehearsal dinner and totally flops. And so he's not feeling so great. Then some drunk idiot comes up to Monica and says, uh, oh, yeah. You look so young to have a son Ross's age. <laughs> you must have been 13 when you got him. <laughs> oh, so they, <laughs> Ross busts into uh, Chandler's room the next morning after the rehearsal dinner. And, I'm getting married today. And then uh, he leaves and we see that Monica is in Chandler's bed. <laughs> and it's such a great moment. They have such a, a fantastic, awkward, uh, just interaction where... <laughs> They're How like, you doing? Well, good. I've never done that with you before. <laughs> she won't get out of the bed if he's looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She just asks him not to look when she gets out of the bed, and he goes, "But I, I don't want to look." <laughs> so they adorable. have they they they're very like awkward with each other. Um, but eventually, they they get thrown back together when they he has to escort her down the aisle at the wedding, and they they talk about how it was a mistake. And then they agree, we're going to do it tonight, though. <laughs> and that's all there oh, is yeah. to that. that. The two of them will get to them after these episodes are over. But this is the start of that relationship. There's Yay. Phoebe, who's stuck back at home, all pregnant. And now knowing Rachel is going to try and uh, get 
to stop the wedding. So she's calling anybody she can think of to try and warn them about Rachel. She tries at Emily's parents' house and has a great interaction with the housekeeper, who is a, a famous British character actress. And then she reaches... Whitfield. Yes. Um, she reaches Emily's mom on her cell phone, who is played by Jennifer Saunders of Absolutely Fabulous, <laughs> uh, who thinks it's like a prank for a radio show and hangs up. <laughs> And then she finally gets a hold of Joey and passes off the responsibility of you got to stop Rachel. Um, And then her only last bit is that she uh, ends up calling Emily's mom's cell phone again and she attends the wedding by by phone, uh, which is sweet. So even though when we get to the final climactic moment of this episode, even though she's not there, she still hears it and she still knows what's going on. And we get her reaction as well. (laughs) Exactly. So Rachel is on her way to London to tell Ross how she feels. <laughs> she, uh, again, has a, another uh, interaction with a British character actress as the ticket agent. Uh, and she's trying to split up the ticket price between like a bunch of credit cards. And then she realizes she forgot her passport and has to go back for it. She runs into the apartment and Phoebe thinks she's back and changed her mind. But she just runs back out again, which was where my... Uh, <laughs> episode opening quote came from (laughs) Phoebe's too pregnant to like stop her both times that she runs out of the apartment Uh, and then she gets seated on the plane next to Hugh Laurie and this is probably my favorite cameo of these episodes is Hugh Laurie sitting next to her and she like tries to engage him in a conversation of oh I'm going to London on this romantic mission and he just like pops his headphones on I don't give a shit so she ends up telling her story to another passenger and like three quarters of the way through it, he just sits up and takes off his headphones. He's like, oh, my God, you are the worst person ever. He's right, by the way. Uh, <laughs> like, you're so horrible. I can't believe you're going there to be so selfish and ruin someone else's happiness. And oh, by the way, it's pretty clear you were on a break. <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> Uh, it's just and it's just so much better all coming out of Hugh Laurie's mouth uh so that is nice so um so she you know she brushes him off and she's gone her way to stop the wedding anyway Ross meanwhile has spent most of the episode trying to uh broker peace between the parents Emily's parents have uh, his parents have agreed to pay for half the wedding Emily's parents have given them a giant bill that includes costs of renovating their house which they somehow feel has is justified as part of the wedding costs do you hear how she answers her phone every what? time every time Waltham interiors yes <laughs> um so so she's so though they're going back and forth and ross is trying to say i can get them to pay for this but there's no way it's going to pay for that and if you're playing for the lawn, you have to play for the lawn ornaments. <laughs> exactly. Um, I forget the guy's name that plays um, Ross and Monica's dad. But he's like so angry and he keeps uh, dropping these jokes it's about, Elliot you would Gould, be speaking German, not for us. Thank you, Evan. You're he keeps dropping all these like World War II uh, jokes, <laughs> references on them. Uh and Ross is trying to solve this so that Emily doesn't know about it. And so she doesn't get, you know, there's been enough problems. Let's keep all the problems away from her, which is like the one decent thing he's done this entire time. 
Um, but the, hey, it he culminates. He hung some string lights. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure that was all him. <laughs> um, so they, they end up having a big blow up right before the ceremony starts that Emily sees and Ross breaks it up. And uh, she's really touched that, you know, he's done all this to, to try and make her day perfect. And they, they realize, oh, no, you're not supposed to see me before the wedding. It's bad luck. But he thinks they've had all the bad luck and they're not going to have any more bad luck. Enter Rachel, <laughs> who was dun, supposed dun, dun. to be every all the friends were supposed to be on guard looking for her to stop her. But the entrance she came in was the one that Joey was supposed to be watching. And he is busy making out with the hot bridesmaid. <laughs> uh, so she gets through and she sees them have their moment of well, we're going to have a wonderful wedding and uh, decides not to tell him. And uh, so Emily goes off to get ready to come down the aisle and. Ross sees that she came and she's like, I just came to be here for you. Um, Aww. So it's almost, it's almost a really nice moment. And then the wedding proceeds and we get the, one of the most memorable uh, and soapy uh, season ending cliffhangers in TV history, which is Ross gets through his vows and says Rachel's name. It's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever seen on television. Seriously. And to make people wait three months over the summer to figure out, to find out what's going to happen. And I and, only had to wait and what ends seconds. Up, exactly. And what ends up happening, like, Emily, probably the worst call you could have made. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Not a good plan. I don't um, even know what her plan was, but not right. I mean, her plan was clearly, like, I've come this far. I She was so determined to be married to Ross that she was willing to forgive. Like, just, but, blind, just blindly not see that this was clearly... He's clearly not in, like, in love with Rachel more than anyone else in the, on the planet. Like, he just called you someone else's name at the altar at your wedding. Like... That the level of humiliation at that point, like you either run with it and you just try to say like, no, I'm bigger than this and like try to reclaim some pride instead of running away. Or you just say, okay, this is awful. And then spend the rest of your life trying to get over it. I I mean, what do you even do if someone does that to you? It's such a, I know it wasn't like some sort of intentional thing on Ross's behalf, but like that is so horrible it is so unfathomably horrible Uh, and it's so uncomfortable to watch it's just ridiculously difficult for me to look at that scene like every time and every time it's on and i see it i just it's so cringeworthy because it's just so terrible and i think there's also an element of emily being british and wanting to avoid embarrassment and just be like "Oh, oh okay let's just keep going and you know nobody mention it I mean, obviously, like, she's also kind of clueless to Ross's true feelings, but I think there is that. That's just her, like, instinctive, reflexive reaction to just, like, brush it away and hope nobody noticed. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So. I don't know. Seems like a weak sauce to me, but that's fine. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not saying it was good logic. I'm just saying that, you know, she... She's British, and that's what British characters tend to do a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, great episode, great two-parter, a lot of great interactions. The cameos were fantastic. 
God, you could just tell that, like, this is when Friends was really reaching its height and they were like, let's get everything and everybody we could possibly get involved to, like, build this, uh, build up this season finale thing. Uh, and, and they, they just did. tried to make it the biggest deal they could, and, and, and truly they did. They did a phenomenal job. Uh, like, this is... Like, the, the, the relationship between um, Ross and Rachel is... Like, it's one of the most uncomfortable relationships that everyone knows about. It's so toxic. It's, it's so horribly bad. Like, horrible. everybody knows it's bad. And yet it's still one of the most famous relationships ever to be on television. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's a, I mean, I think it's famous because, in unintentionally because of how bad it was. It becomes because of this, its toxicity. It became this symbol of will they, won't they. Because they will they'd and won't they'd like a million times over the course of the series. And so like, if you want shorthand for will they, won't they, you just say Ross and Rachel. You know, it's funny because I didn't realize the will they, won't they when it actually started. And it started season one, episode one. Yeah. And it, it like my recollection of that first episode was Rachel coming in in the wedding dress and that was about it. Like that was the big thing. And then it all it all started there mm-hmm. and lasted 10 All the way seasons. through to the very last episode. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's really fascinating to, to think about it like that because I remember when Friends ended and they got together and I was like, I mean, I guess they had to put those two characters together because they've been dicking us around for so many years, but that's not a good couple. Like that's, that doesn't work. And then the same thing happened with uh, scrubs with friggin' uh, JD and Elliot. Yeah. Like they got those two together at the end. That wasn't a good idea. And they proved it throughout the entire series that that wasn't a good idea. So I, yeah, I just, they did, I just, uh, uh, Dawson's Creek is uh, another example where like, Joey and Dawson, the whole series, were like, well, they won't they. And then at the end, they flash forward and she's with Pacey and they're like, whoa, <laughs> thanks, television, for like not putting together the two will they won't they characters and uh, and having it be a, a best idea ever. Another Go thing, team Pacey. Another by the thing way. I liked about the, the show over like rewatching just different episodes within different seasons the the roller coaster that is joey's intellect oh, yeah. it's so <laughs> like, inconsistent <laughs> in like season one he was he was like relatively with it like he was a, a struggling actor but he knew what he was doing sort of then by season like four he's a moron i mean he's like the lovable moron but he's a moron <laughs> Oh, the classic example of Joey being an idiot uh, to me is the episode where he uh, he's with the encyclopedia salesman played by Pendulette. <laughs> where the guy tries to sell him a whole set of encyclopedias and makes him think about all the times that his friends, you know, were discussing something and he didn't really understand what was going on. And then in the end, it turns out he can't afford a whole set of encyclopedias, but he found 50 bucks in, in his pants, which must be Chandler's pants because he never has any money. <laughs> so he buys one encyclopedia and he decides to learn all about the letter V and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, Joey. Joey. All right. Um, 
With that, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the special that was on not too long ago about James Burroughs. Now, this was started to be credited as like a friends reunion, and then that turned into what did it? I don't know. I didn't watch it. We'll talk about it after the break. We're going to talk about it after the break, though. So stay tuned. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. What uh, what are you guys doing February 27th? Matt, what do you got going on? Vegan chili cook-off. Vegan chili cook-off. Sounds awesome. Evan, what you got going on February 27th? Uh, Braiding my hair. Not a bad plan for a Saturday. Dean, what about you? Hunting megalodons. Wrong. You will be in the Bronx, New York, 3 p.m. Chikara Pro Wrestling is coming to town. Chikara presents Dead Man's Chest. We've talked about Chikara before. They are an indie wrestling promotion filled with all types of superhero stuff, nerd stuff, geek stuff. It is perfect for people who might listen to this podcast. You can head over to ChikaraPro.com events season 16 to check out the Dead Man's Chest video. You could also head over to ChikaraTix.com and pick up some tickets. What do you think? I will absolutely do that. Sounds good. You can also check out their YouTube page for some uh, some more information on Dead Man's Chest. Seriously, Chikara is an amazing promotion. They deserve your support. They deserve your love. Check them out February 27th at 3 p.m. in the Bronx. It's going to be a blast. What am I going to do with all this tofu? This month marks the 30th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda. Chris and Vicky have a brand new episode of Waveback dedicated to the original classic. They'll be listening to different versions of the original Legend of Zelda soundtrack from the NES, Famicom Disk System, and BSX Satellaview release, and comparing them for the good of mankind. It's a truly legendary episode. Don't miss Waveback, episode 19, The Legend of Zelda. I, Chris, had the distinct pleasure of joining Brandon and Travis on Apathetic Enthusiasm last week to interview the one and only Harmy, the man behind the Star Wars Despecialized Editions. If you don't know what that means, Harmy took the original trilogy and its unaltered, non-CG dinosaur, Greedo shooting first, uncomfortable dance sequence, Ewoks blinking form and put it into honest-to-goodness HD, as close to the original theatrical versions, warts and all, as humanly possible, and it is simply incredible. The amount of work that went into this is stunning, and the man is very, very interesting. We ask Harmy all about this process, how Disney has handled the license, what the, the toughest edits were, how he feels about The Force Awakens, and many, many more. This was an extremely good time. Do not miss Apathetic Enthusiasm, episode 54, a despecialized Star Wars interview. It's one of the most famous episodes of TV of all time. No, not the Quentin Tarantino episode of the Golden Girls. It's time enough at last from the Twilight Zone, and it's finally time for Brandon to discuss it on his show. He's once again joined by Patrick Orr to discuss this seminal episode. Don't miss Submitted for Your Approval, Episode 8, Time Enough at Last. The Coleco Chameleon has been unveiled. Sort of. And Dan, Chris, and Dean are once again joined by StoneAgeGamer.com's Ryan Cross to discuss just what the bloody hell is going on with this thing. Between all the electrical tape, coincidental port placements, suspicious controller choices, and blatant lack of red LED, the system formerly known as the Retro VGS has more than its fair share going against it. Get the whole story in the Stone Age Gamer Podcast, Episode 87, The Coleco Chameleon Conversation. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. 
and we're back. Thank you for listening to our commercials. Um, for the second half of the show, we are going to discuss the James Burroughs tribute that happened not too long ago. But before we dive into that, um, my one of my co-hosts here had a faux pas during the week and fully admitted to it, wrote a nice little article about it, and he and I wanted to discuss it a little bit more in depth. So, Chris, I'm just going to let you handle this as well, best actually, as you it, can. It actually stems from um, what we're talking about on... Um the other night, Musty TV, a tribute to James Burroughs, aired, and um, there were lots of interviews. Like basically, they would take the cast of an old show that James Burroughs was involved in, and that cast would talk, and different people would interview those that that cast. Uh, one of the people that was the interviewers was one of my least favorite breakfast meats, Andy Cohen. Um, <laughs> I first saw this gentleman on uh, Bravo TV, and. So Andy I, Cohen is the gentleman who is known for doing the after shows for the Housewives yes, uh, reality uh, shows. Bravo That's, in general. Main. He also has uh, hosted like the reunion specials for Top Chef and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he produces a lot of that stuff, too. Yeah. He is very much an on-air personality. And I've never cared for him in the least. Um, but... <laughs> yes. As the story goes, um, I have also uh, since, you know, this, we're in the second year of, of Geekade's existence. And one of the things that we uh, and that we try to do is is branch out as much as we can on social media. And one of the things that I have frequently struggled with in social media is Twitter. I know it is an important facet of social media. I know there are a lot of people that utilize it and and. It is one of the most popular forms of social media. I've never been good at it. I've never really gotten the hang of it. But I've noticed that when I uh, watch television, sometimes uh, I'm inspired to tweet something about you know said television that I'm watching. I don't always do very well at it, but you know sometimes I have some interesting things to say. And I'm always you know I'll be watching TV, and if I have my phone in my hand and I'm thinking about it, I'll be trying to be funny. So. Uh, one thing that I tend to do from time to time is very passionately rant about things. Uh, and I say some some pretty weird things when I'm in that weird headspace where I, I just get angry and rant about something. Um, Andy Cohen turned out to be uh, one of the hosts on this thing. Me not being a fan, I hopped on Twitter and... Uh, boy, what, did I, what exactly did I call him? A... Uh, living husk of shit or something like that i was just very hyperbolic um andy cohen is the worst thing in the history of mankind or something along those lines and um it was it was genuinely awful but i thought it would be funny because people think it's funny when i rant about things that are absolutely ridiculous and what happened was uh, Andy Cohen saw this tweet because I hashtagged the show that we were watching and he responded to it. He, he said, I, uh, I feel the same way about you, nasty lady. And I thought that was just clever as hell. I was like, holy shit, Andy Cohen's got a good sense of humor. That's pretty neat. But the longer I thought about it, I realized, first off, I spell my name K-R-I-S and I don't have anything on my account that specifically says I'm male, so there's every possibility that he thinks I am actually, like, he was literally calling me a nasty lady, which is a much classier insult than what I slung at him. Uh, And then several people who 
follow Andy Cohen on, and are his fans started liking his response and a couple of them tweeted at me like don't be such a dick basically and I I, I lost sleep over it uh, overnight I was like I, I that was mean like I went back and looked at the tweet that I, I, I made and looking back on it there's you know there's there's nothing funny about what I said um I had essentially become those jackasses on um, uh, message boards or uh, yeah, message boards because that's comment threads. That's what I'm looking for. That that says incredibly hurtful things behind the shield of the internet, and it never occurred to me in a billion years that one that this message would even reach Andy Cohen's eyeballs, and um, two that that he would even give it a, enough of a thought to even respond to it. And granted. In the grand scheme of things, I can't imagine that he even cares. Um, I'm sure plenty of people have said many, many hurtful things about him because he's got, he's got one of those personalities. Like, I, I don't like the things that he does, but it occurred to me that I don't know this guy. And no matter how famous he is, no matter what his on-air personality is, he's still a person. And there is nothing at all to be gained by being that negative um, about a person personally. I can hate on shows. I can hate on War of the Worlds. I can hate on mayonnaise. I can hate on all the things that I genuinely hate and go on rants and it can be funny. It can be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, but when I start actually insulting people, like saying you are an awful thing, that's... If it's somebody I don't know, um, and it's it's not a you know politician, um, <laughs> I it, there's there's no good to come from that. I had essentially become an internet bully, and as editor in chief of Geekade.com, I have a responsibility to not be that. Like we try to foster a, a passionate and open and welcoming community here. Like that's the point of this site is that nobody should feel unwelcome and. Let's say alternate reality, Andy Cohen is not a big famous guy, and Andy Cohen came to me and wanted to do a video type of segment like he does for Geekade. Let's let's say this is the weird alternate reality. I would welcome that guy with open arms. Without a doubt, I would say you are clearly passionate about these things that you're passionate about, and while I don't understand why you would be passionate about the real housewives of wherever the fuck, you have every right to be that passionate about it. And absolutely, you're welcome here. And I was in direct conflict with that philosophy when I uh, basically shat on him on Twitter for no reason than to try to get a laugh. Um, so I wrote an article about basically what I just said. Uh, I, I, I couldn't not. I was just I was absolutely compelled. I needed to write it because it wasn't enough for me to go in and delete the original tweet, which I did because... I owed him an apology and I owed Geekade an apology um, because there is so much of this kind of just, you know, keyboard warrior hate where you can just say, um, you know, I didn't like, I didn't like Spider-Man three. Uh, so Tobey Maguire is a piece of shit and he should die in a fire. Like that's harsh. That doesn't need to be there. Like, you can say I hated Spider-Man 3. I thought that was a, it was an awful movie. It was a, you know, shit on the bottom of my shoe. But, you know, if for every amount of 
unbelievable hatred I have for Batman and Robin. I don't wish cancer on Joel Schumacher. I don't think that man should die. I don't think that there should be repercussions like that on the internet. And that kind of just vile shit that gets spewed all over the internet is the kind of stuff that bothers me. And then I totally unintentionally fell into that trap. It is so easy to be that person. It is incredibly easy to be that person. And all it takes is just a tiny bit of self-control to not be that person. I didn't have to write that tweet about Andy Cohen. I could have just said, I am upset that Andy Cohen is, uh, is hosting this thing. I could have found a better way of being funny about saying that I didn't like Andy Cohen and not attack him personally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a better way to do that stuff. And all it takes is a little bit of thought. And then all of a sudden, everything becomes a, a much better place. So I wrote this apology, and I tw- I tweeted it directly to Andy Cohen, and he sent me a, a and it's okay with a heart next to it. Um, so I got a little apology accepted from him, which made me very happy. Uh, but I also got some really nice tweets from um, some of, uh, of his fans, because I wrote in the article that I am still not and will never be a fan of Andy Cohen. I don't like what he does. Um, but you know, Karen helped me formulate the words of, you know, I can hate on somebody's art all I, all I want, but hating on the person is not fair and there's nothing to be gained by it. And, um, you know, like, uh, one of the, the, the Twitter uh, people, <laughs> the Twitter people, uh, they had responded to me that it was just, um, you know, they didn't understand how I couldn't like Andy Cohen. They were a huge fan, but, uh, it was a really well-written article and, uh, they, they liked it and, that that kind of stuff, I I really appreciated that because what it was so mind boggling to me that I had become something that I detest so much without even thinking of it. Um, to be able to kind of be open about that, and I thought it was an important point to make how easy it is to be that person and how it's not that much more difficult to just not be that guy and try to just be more positive uh and and not attack people personally so yeah it was it was a weird experience but um it is it is behind me i have a sentence i never thought i would say i've made my peace with andy cohen and (laughs) (laughs) now we can move on um well it it needs to be said that in this day and age with so much uh media and social media and we're inundated with information about people not just art anymore. It, it it blurs a line where we forget the the difference between the actual person and a character that they may play. I can it, to to your point. I can honestly say that I never thought of Andy Cohen as a person. Like, and I know that sounds horrible, but he was nothing more than an idea to me. Right. Like I never. It, the, the thought of him being a living, breathing human being that will read and somebody that I could in a theoretically talk to, like a human being, the concept never even occurred to me. That's how strange it felt. You know, that's why I was, you know, in my brain, okay with just, sure, I'll just write some horrible shit about him because he's, he's an idea. He's not a person. But that's not true. He is a person. Right. He's an actual human being. And it is absurd that I didn't think that, that my natural inclination towards this person was that he's nothing more than this personality, this concept on TV. 
And that is absurd. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a very much a fault of mine. I mean, hell, I named the article, I'm not as funny as I think I am. Um, Which I, I give you props for that because I wasn't aware of the situation before I actually read the article. And like you said, very well written. It was, it was an apology without you wavering on how you actually feel. You, you, you were able to textualize the difference between the person and what the person does. And it became clear that you didn't really, when, when the comment came out, you meant, you didn't mean it with malicious intent. You were genuinely trying to be funny. Your joke just failed. And when you realized that there was a, a person attached to that, you genuinely felt bad about it. Yeah, because like in, in my head, I hate Andy Cohen. I hate that guy, but I don't. I don't know that guy. Right. I've seen him on TV. Like, it's my my. It's a strange situation. My point is, is if half of the people that write comments and and tweets and whatnot actually thought the way you did after the fact, there would be a hell of a lot less tweets and a hell of a lot less comments in the world, and we would probably be better for it because the amount of hatred and 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 maliciousness that is spewed on the internet because of that barrier between us and them it people like you said keyboard warriors just spew whatever you want to spew without really thinking about it back in the day there was there was no there was you couldn't do this you would have to say that to the person's face. And if you wouldn't say it to the person's face, you would write them a letter. <laughs> You'd wait <laughs> two and a half weeks for them to get it, send you a letter back. There was a lot of postage involved. Look, I the 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 bottom line is I don't I don't want to hijack the rest of our episode. We've we've spent a decent amount of time talking about it. I would I would ask that you read the article. Um and, and I'm not I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I was the bad guy in this situation. So I, I'm not saying this for any other reason than to try to pass on the lesson that I learned to to somebody else. Because um, I, I did. I, I actually learned a lesson like sitcom style. I learned a lesson from that entire experience and um, sitcom style. I like that. I do think that it's I, I, I think that this is an important topic and um if you've got the time, read it. It's it's in the think tank on geekade.com. It's called I'm Not As Funny As I Think I Am, and it includes a genuine apology, which was thankfully accepted by Mr. Cohen, and that is, that's the end of that. <laughs> well, with that, um, we can jump into the James Burroughs special. Um, like I said, I didn't watch it because I sort of forgot about it. Um but when I actually did uh, some a, a little bit of research on Jim Burroughs to, to find out, you know, apparently this guy's a, a thing in television. <laughs> Quite the thing. Quite he's, the thing. Yeah. He's a, he's a he's got some he's got some credits to his name. Um, like <laughs> Cheers, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> Taxi. Taxi. I'm, I'm hold on. I'm actually looking for the the IMDb. For Mr. Burroughs. Now, granted, there are, like, okay. <laughs> Let's go all the way to the end and work our way backwards. Um, 
Phyllis, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, Laverne and Shirley, uh, Bustin' Loose, Betty White Show he was a part of, Rhoda. <laughs> I'm just going to name the, the, the ones that are like known. Taxi, uh, Night Court, uh, Dear John, I remember that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Wings. Was after Murphy Brown. Oh, yeah, he, Wings. He, he God, did, that he was. Did a, he did an episode or two of Wings. Uh, 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 Cheers, he did a bunch of episodes of. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Partners, I remember that one. News Radio, Third Rock from the Sun, Frasier, Men Behaving Badly, which was eh, Veronica's Closet, Caroline in the City, Dharma and Greg, Friends, did 15 episodes of The Friends, Two and a Half Men, (laughs) like... He is. So there, he has touched just every like every fourth show that has been on television. He's done an episode or two of. <laughs> yeah, and the ones that that got the spotlight were, they were interesting choices. I mean, so so they they kick off this event, right? Right. So, so let's let's do this this get this out of the way real quick. The the friends connection here. There was the, the idea of this. The the whole concept of this thing is that they were getting the casts of of each of these shows together. Uh, some of the biggest shows he was involved in. They were going to sit up on a couch, reminisce about, you know, memories of this guy and, and whatnot. And one of those shows was Friends. And then the internet got a hold of it and was like, it's a Friends reunion special. And All it the made friends- me so mad. Everyone saying that because, like, nobody read an article to see what it actually was. They just saw a headline and went, oh, Friends reunion. Oh, my God. There's going to be more Friends. There's going to be a whole new episode of Friends, and they're all going to get back together. We're going to see where they've been for the last 10 years or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, like, read a fucking article. <laughs> Click a headline. Stop it, Internet. Yeah. It Settle down. So ridiculous. So ridiculous because the Friends bit was saved for the very end. And Matthew Perry wasn't there. Because he's off in London doing a stage play or something, and it wasn't a friends reunion. It was just like all the other ones, and they were just there to talk about um, Burroughs. They were—that's what they were there for. And I was ugh, that 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 whole thing was ridiculous. So before we talk any more about this, just know this show was not a friends reunion. This show was about Jim Burroughs, and and the fact that the hype got so crazy over the supposed friends reunion kind of like like is an insult to jim burroughs like that's not what it's about it's about him yeah and my guys what's really fascinating is like all right so there's there's shows on here that i do not find funny and there's shows that are that are absolutely legitimately funny and they were doing this this little montage towards the beginning of it and um they were showing scenes from like mike and molly and the Big Bang Theory, and Taxi, and Friends, and Cheers, and Frasier. So you you you've got this this bit, and they're just they're peppering in all these episodes from Mike and Molly and Big Bang Theory, and they're not funny, like not even kind of funny. But then you sh- they show scenes from Taxi, and you're like, holy shit, that is hysterical. That is still funny after all this time as opposed to this crap that's never been funny and it was such a clear and obvious like 
there is such a difference in quality <laughs> between some of these shows. It was unbelievable. Just just to watch watch that that dichotomy right in front of you, like a joke from Taxi next to a joke from The Big Bang Theory, and it is not even close. They're not even on the same planet of just sheer cleverness and delivery and and like I haven't watched a lot of Taxi. This is not coming from this play this great nostalgic place of ah Taxi is this legendary thing I watched when I was younger and it will always be untouchable. It was a scene from Taxi I had never seen before next to a scene from the Big Bang Theory I had never seen before. One of them was not even remotely funny. One of them was absolutely hysterical. And that is just the way that it is. <laughs> it's kind of weird that they did um, as much with the Big Bang Theory because he only did two episodes. Technically, was, it was well, a pilot. Ratings, ratings, ratings. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the big... I think they picked the biggest shows he touched, not just necessarily the because best Mike and shows Molly, he touched. Four, he's credited with 49 episodes for Mike and Molly. All right, I can get why they would throw that like he had a huge chunk of that show if not most of it but like two broke girls he did three episodes uh what was the other one taxi he did a couple of it's i don't under i i don't know what they were shooting for other than just ratings 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 yeah i think they were looking for the biggest names that he was involved in in some way shape or form and there were some there were some uncomfortable moments. Um, you know, thing number one is that this was against the Disneyland special on ABC. Uh, there were both two-hour specials that were airing. Um, the Disneyland one started an hour before this one, so there was an hour in the middle that was overlap, and that was difficult for me because, like, these were both essentially not as cool as you would want either of them to be, but they still had some really interesting stuff. Right. Um, I missed some of the cheers bit which i was very interested in because i liked cheers a lot uh but it was in favor of seeing the star wars bits in uh the disney thing so did you see what's you know. his name dance the 90 year old guy from fuck oh, oh dick van dyke, dick van no, dyke. no we actually missed that <laughs> oh yeah we missed that i yeah. saw that video online he still got it <laughs> yeah he still got it <laughs> sorry so, so so that was that was one thing that was uh just kind of made me mad about the night because I really wanted to watch both of these things. Especially since we skipped part of the Cheers thing to watch that they were supposedly going to show off like the uh, new Star Wars part of the Disneyland park and like when they got to they brought out Harrison Ford and he was like it's my honor to to show you a first look at this new part of the park. It was all concept renderings and drawings. It was absolutely not one single picture <laughs> or video of stone, anything actual real. Brick. Yeah, there's nothing concrete. And like <laughs> there was I saw posts online later like, oh my god, did you see that Star Wars stuff? I was like, Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't anything to look at. It was just <laughs> drawings. I have got a, I've got Star Wars comic books in my bedroom. Like, come on. What that Yes, it, oh, this is what we want to do. Well, that's fantastic. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Not even so much as a picture of a like a boarded up wall with like construction tape. Not, <laughs> yeah. Even that would have been something. <laughs> Nothing. It was, it was very underwhelming. But then they had a, you know, a, a symphony orchestra performing a bunch of Star Wars music, and I just I couldn't change the channel. It was so gorgeous. It was just <laughs> he wonderful. just looks at me across the couch and goes, "I'm sorry," and I'm like. I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go back to this. other. I know we're talking about that other thing on the show. 
but I need to watch this. This is awesome. Um, I think the the moment of this uh, Jim Jim Burroughs special that was probably the most uncomfortable was the shameless, shameless promotion for his new sitcom that does not look funny at all. What is it? Um, uh, what is that? It's called Crowded. Crowded. That's right. Um, now, when I first heard Crowded, and um, it ha- it stars a uh, um, oh, Patrick geez. Warburton. Yeah, Patrick Warburton. Joe. For some reason, I was thinking like crowded, like Krauts, like a uh, Germans. Yeah, some sort of like German <laughs> spy comedy starring uh, Patrick Warburton. I watched the freaking bejesus out of that. No, that was when I when I heard Patrick Warburton crowded, and I'm like, oh, that sounds fantastic. He's going to be some sort of German spy. It's going to be a comedy. It's going to be great. But no, it's crowded. Like you know, there's too many people in here because it's about an older. A married couple and their kids are moving home because they're poor college students and he comes out and like it was basically just this big commercial for crowded because jim burroughs is involved in it in some way shape or form and it i just, think he's a producer and a director it looks bad like every single joke was a miss every single one of them in this trailer ev- without fail not a single one of them was a hit it was all just it, like paint by that. numbers every single thing was just wrong and it's i'm in the middle of this big venture brothers rewatch right now so i'm watching patrick warburton do this really shitty sitcom jokes and i'm just seeing brock samson deliver it and it's oh, wonderful right. <laughs> i forgot brock samson i forgot that he did the voice every time i hear his name I, patrick i go immediately to joe and one of my favorite aspects of the family guy so Ah, uh, true. Oh, see, I, he's uh, he's just Putty from Seinfeld to me. <laughs> he's he's Brock Sampson in the Tick to me, uh, but uh, the Tick I, that's that was my second. <laughs> speaking of quick little tangent, I'm you know in the midst of my rewatch of Venture Brothers. I'm I'm in season four. I'm like just about at the end of season four. No, actually, I finished season four today. Um, there was an episode in season four that had uh, Nathan Fillion in it. Oh, really? I had no idea. It was fantastic. He plays a Spider-Man type character, uh, except the web. The web shooter actually is where a web would be. Web shooter would be on a spider. So it's rather it comes disturbing. Out of his ass. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So he's swinging around with <laughs> spider webs out of his ass. Nice, <laughs> very entertaining. And he sings, so it was quite lovely. Anyway, so all in all, I didn't miss much. Watch it. Not watching the Burroughs special. No. Um, what was yeah, the, I mean... the frenziness of it? Anything good? Anything worth commenting on? I mean, they all looked fantastic, but I saw I saw a cat like a photo of them from this event, and they all looked just just shy of when they were on Friends. Yeah, most of the people that I saw on this show had aged pretty well, except um, what's his face that plays Cliff Clavin. <laughs> he oh, yeah. he oh. was looking a little rough. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the Friends part of it was no different than any other part. Every segment had a clip package. Um, it was, you know, great to see some of these older moments, especially Taxi. I was raised on a lot of those older shows. And so, like, God, I love Taxi. And I haven't seen any of it forever. So that was really fun. And then, you know, they'd ask them a bunch of kind of very, like, stupid pat questions didn't really reveal too much there was there was a really like um manufactured moment where andy cohen asked the cast of friends if any of them had been asked to sign a contract saying that they wouldn't sleep with each other and then he went to commercial 
<laughs> and and then he came back from commercial and everyone in the cast was like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's how it he saved Christmas. such a non-moment. It was like pretty annoying. Yeah. But I think, you know, there were each, each cast had their own little insights and se- uh, several of the actors had their own imitations of Jim Burroughs, which were pretty amusing. <laughs> nice. uh, Danny DeVito during the uh, taxi segment <laughs> had said that, you know, Jim Burroughs has a distinctive laugh. And so, you know, you've, you've done a good job when you hear him laugh, but if he really likes a joke, apparently he'll just take his dick out <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see like, um, Danny DeVito standing up on stage and doing an imitation of, of Jim Burroughs walking around holding his dick like, I don't know what this is about. Hollywood's weird, but okay. <laughs> and we can just close with that. Hollywood's weird. <laughs> there were two um, specific things with the Friends uh, bit that I that, that stuck out to me. Um, thing number one was that um, uh, Matt LeBlanc is far more well-spoken than Joey is, which was... Um, <laughs> I know him for two characters. He was a character on Married with Children very briefly, and then he was Joey on Friends. He played Joey on Married with Children. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much, yeah. Uh, Except dumber and more Italian, I think. (laughs) Is it possible to get more Italian? Yes. Yeah, dude, he was was a caricature from the... He was Ken Marino from the state. He was in a (laughs) a white t-shirt, super greasy hair the whole time. It was ridiculous. Sergio Valente. (laughs) Spectacular. Um, So, yeah, listening to him talk and, like, speak quite well uh was you know because i don't i don't really see him do anything other than joey very often so hearing him speak like a normal human being was a little odd to me (laughs) um and it also seemed like especially at the beginning that um jennifer aniston was kind of hogging the conversation like you know andy cohen would ask a question and then jennifer aniston would just pop up with an answer before anybody could say anything and like i kept seeing other actors on stage look like they wanted to answer the question and they just couldn't because she wouldn't shut the hell up Mm. Uh, i don't know if i was just picking up on that as oddly but it just kept striking me as it was going i noticed it too and i feel like i mean i don't know jennifer aniston personally but i got the that impression of her as a you know celebrity that like she wants to be the face of things she wants to speak for people and Um, like I get the impression, like, for example, Lisa Kudrow is a cool chick and like, if somebody else is going to jump in there and talk, like, oh, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to be an asshole. I'll just hang back and say something when I get the opportunity. Uh, and I think that's just reflective of maybe who those people have become since, since these shows had their, uh, popularity. Yeah. I mean... Let's let's be honest. A lot of people were telling Jennifer Aniston that she was a really big deal yeah. for a very long time. That's true. You know, you start to believe your own hype. Yeah. Well, and they hey. and they still sort of do because she is still a wanted actress. Yeah, and I mean, rightly so. She's great. Yeah. yeah, she is quite talented. It's just she shows up on uh, tabloids I see in the grocery store an awful lot. It's like Penn's broken heart. Uh, uh, Brad and Ben, or no, Brad and Jen. Yeah, Brad and Ben. Ben, whatever <laughs> words that you know I'd I mean. watch. That's a she, oh she boy. Just, she she's on a lot of uh, tabloids for some reason, and because it sells. Kind of weird. That's yeah, that's what it is. But um, yeah, that was. She, I mean, she was America's sweetheart for like ten years. Yeah, she was. She dictated hairstyles for decades. 
God, she did. The Rachel. <laughs> um, talk about you were saying uncomfortable moments. The the one that hit me the hardest was during the Fraser segment. They made a lot of meat out of Kelsey Grammer as an asshole. And Kelsey Grammer was not actually there. He was one of these like I'm off doing another project and I can't be there. And I sh- I recorded a pre taped segment. Um, and they made a lot of jokes about it. But there was a there was a moment where they were interviewing Perry Gilpin, who uh, played Roz, the the radio show producer, and she was talking about very early a moment in the show where like you know her interaction with Kelsey Grammer and she was trying to Jim Burroughs was trying to help her figure out her character and she was taking some time with it and Kel- she said Kelsey Grammer said. God, I wish Kirsty were here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and it was like a totally like just offhand comment and they moved past it and nobody focused on it, but I just that just jumped out to me like, wow, she just fucking called him out on national TV. <laughs> How <laughs> many Kirstie years Alley later? wasn't there for the uh, I don't think she was mentioned at all. With the, yeah, well she we no, she wasn't at, she wasn't on stage for the cheers thing. Huh. Well maybe she wasn't part of his run. Because she was later in the series. That's true. The uh, the other really interesting thing I thought about the Friends part was uh, somebody mentioned, I think it was Lisa Kudrow mentioned that uh, when they said, they asked, you know, what influence did Jim Burroughs have on all your characters? And she said, you know, he came through and he basically told us, you know, what the characters were that were based on previous characters that he had worked with so monica he's like monica you're mary tyler moore and uh joey was tony danza from taxi i don't remember the character's mm-hmm. name might might be tony and uh phoebe was uh, he compared to reverend jim from taxi and i'm like holy shit that just blew my fucking <laughs> mind that's exactly spot on and yeah. it's just i guess almost 20 years removed from Taxi to Friends, you would never make that connection. I never made that connection, and I like both shows. I know both of them pretty well, but it just never occurred to me, and it's so genius. Yeah, you could see it. You could see the connectivity between the characters that he has influenced. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll catch some sort of, you know, mashup clips. On yeah, I mean... Uh, they were making a big deal about how the fact that he just uh, crossed the threshold of having directed 1,000 episodes of television. So uh, the man sat his hands in a lot of pies. <laughs> and with that being said, um, I, I want to thank, once again, Matt, for asking us to do this. Because, you know, we don't get a lot of... We don't get to do the things that we love because we want to cover as many things as we possibly can. Because there's a lot of television out there. So for someone to request for us to do Friends, it was a blessing. Because I love this show. I've, I've watched season, season 1 to season 10 at least four times. And it, it, it was great to actually be able to sit down and, and chat with this. Because I know you guys like the, the, the show as well. There was no uh, force forcing us to watch this because yeah and nobody was twisting anybody's arms yeah yeah you have you recently did a rewatch of it and i mean come on this how long ago like i just finished like a couple weeks ago yeah but 16 years ago 2002 ish 15 yeah i guess like that's it's a long time a lot of good episodes it's a great show 
really we'll probably revisit it again in the future. Yeah. Yeah, as long as if they keep it on Netflix or some sort of streaming, it's it's one of those shows that I have the ability to put on and walk away from and then pop back into it every once in a while and just cuz Netflix, you know, keeps playing and and then every once in a while I'll say, "Hey, are you still watching this?" and I'll click yes. But I may not be, but it's playing on in the background and and whenever I zone into it, I laugh. And you can't ask for more from a show. You can't. So, uh I, I so in 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 recapping, Friends is a thumbs up from me, <laughs> and for me. <laughs> ah, fuck it, thumbs down. Screw that show. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's fantastic. So, uh, Chris, yo, yeah, there's there's some stuff that you need to. I would like it if you could please relay the information. Well, I would love to. Um, you can get in. You, yes, you. You Me? can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is at... Geekade underscore Evan. Karen is at... Shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Thank you, Chris. A uh, quick question for you. Do you think that there's the possibility to throw another link into the show notes? Because I had a good time with that random generator oh yeah absolutely um we we when we like i said earlier when we were discussing this i found this random generator online and all you did was click on the name of a show and it told you what season and what episode to watch and with shows like friends that where there's 10 episodes there's there, there's no missing like you'll hit something good it was just interesting where if you're revisiting something and you want to catch something that you don't have to make any choices. It was just a, a neat little fun thing that I found on the interwebs. So, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, and until next time, from all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. I didn't know it was going to be this way. I fucked that up, Royal. <laughs> Good night. So now... I'm going to stomp across my apartment at 5 a.m. every morning. Glorious. I, I, and I'm going to put this in the, what do we call those at the end of the podcast? Stingers. Stingers. So everybody on the internet will know you live in a fucking apartment. You have to deal with other people. <laughs> where was I? Do we remember where I left off? And this concludes our broadcast day.